0: In the same way, when we plan services, we don't know where they go. But one of the things that we have a conviction of is just waiting on the Lord and seeing what He's doing. So if it takes a little longer, we live with that. But we have kids here, and so I can be shorter. Um, But um, I want to make a quick mention of something to give context. We're going to talk, maybe not, I didn't want to call it a series series because I think we're going to camp on it for a few months. But we decided to frame this fall's teaching and and thinking around what we're calling the walk of faith. Um, In conjunction with that, we have two walks that are happening on a weekly basis. We're doing a walk with the homeless in Dallas where we're just getting to know people, praying with them, becoming friends. And then we're doing, Zane's going to lead us in nature walk as the true hippie that he is, and uh gonna lead us into deeper peace with God. I'm actually very grateful for that. Um but this conversation will frame the fall. And one of the things I've realized about the way I have taught personally, and I think I think mostly has been led by the Spirit, probably probably a, a pretty good bit of Jordan in there too. Um, and then one of the ways that the church in general is talking about spiritual formation and spiritual form maturity right now is that we talk about it in context of what brings our hearts and minds to rest. Now, I want to explain for just a minute how many of you have read some book or some? you've heard some sermon or you've done something to try to Get more at rest with God to try to alleviate some measure of tension or anxiety or difficulty or suffering. How many of you have done this? Raise your hand. And you, I would say that it's fair to notice that that's a more common theme of formation right now in the body. Writers, authors, speakers, communicators talk about how we come into the rest of God. And actually Hebrews 4 is one of the great promises that we are promised a rest that we can both enter into in this life and that we await for in a greater way. That Israel was also promised. Um, but, but in order, the thing about this is, is that in order to actually arrive at this place of rest, it's, just, it's a continuing back and forth in life. We actually have to go through a places of vulnerability where there's great tension and sometimes turmoil in life. And it's actually God leading us through those things. And so I want to kind of like come over here and put this other focus on this other aspect of our increasing maturity, which is not just that we're arriving at some sort of lack of tension in our hearts and minds, but that we're growing in great faith. And so if I have a prayer over the next couple months, It's that we grow in great faith. Now, I I mentioned, I've been asking this question, what does obedience look like right now? Sometimes you get a phrase in your mind and you just feel the need to just repeat it, like, constantly. Chandra, I appreciate what you said last week that you told me seven or eight years ago, which is, don't, don't apologize for repeating things, which I have a tendency to do. And I just have kept bringing this up in my mind and how many of you've also asked this question recently what does obedience look like right now show of hands anybody else yeah it's it's quite interesting what happens when you do this I last week I was sitting at one coffee shop waiting and I you know I ride an electric bike around and I was I had a lunch that was a few minutes away and I was trying to decide will I leave now or will I leave in 20 or 30 minutes and if I was like, Lord, what does obedience look like right now? And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go on and head over. Um, But I I do try to ask this in a lot of ways. And so I won't preach this whole message, but that whole message. But one of the reasons that I think God has been prompting me to ask this question is to remind me that I'm still on journey with Him. That I'm still in pilgrimage. He's still shaping my faith. Psalm 84, 5-7, through seven, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca, or the valley of death. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And I feel like God has been reminding me that I'm still in journey with Him. Like, I'm not some sort of finally formed, you know, person. And so I'm going to tell you about a funny little, like, quirky desire thing that I, that I have. I want to have an office in my backyard. We have a little bit of space in our backyard. And way in the back, I would like to have my own little office. This is just a little thing I have, like a, like a little tiny little building that I have, and the, when I imagine this building, I, I have to describe to you the building. First of all, like there's there's a lot of windows, and there's a writing desk. Imagine a writing desk so that I can write. I also imagine like either a chair or like a tiny, like a small little like love seat sofa, so that sometimes you want to write and sometimes you just want to sit back and read and think. And so I'm just telling you. And then also like there's a bookshelf. Um, Like, where I don't have like every book that I've ever had, but I have like enough of the ones that I want to pull out regularly that is just there. And then the last little like key thing about this is that I want a do you remember these old wood burning cook stoves? Not the ones that like are like your typical fireplace, but like the standalone little black uh, what would it be made out of like cast iron type. Type stove and it's got that chimney going through. My grandparents in Arkansas had one of these things, and I don't want heat in this thing. I want this thing to be powered by that. That you know, in the winter, it needs to be heated by this little thing. So I have to go in there and throw the wood in there. So this is my particular thinking. But but the bookshelf is really important when I imagine this this office. Like there has to be certain books in there that I can access and like books. Are an interesting thing to come into when you walk into somebody's room. I was at, I was at uh, uh, hanging out with Jordan at their house the other day, and I was looking at their bookshelf. How many of you have ever looked at a bookshelf to like sort of like, you know, see what a person's into? And so I'm just like kind of going over this book called Spiritual Pathways, and and it's basically a book about I don't know, is it nine, nine different ways, ten? I don't know seven, we'll go with that. <laughs> A number of different ways that people relate to God. Some people relate to God, you know, maybe in nature or, or through uh, so I can't remember all the particular ways, but there are various different ways in which people relate to God. And the and Jordan was telling me the point of the book is not for you to figure out your only way, but from point of view is act the book is to actually understand that there are many ways that we can encounter God and we want to grow in all of them because He expresses Himself in those ways uniquely. And, and so I just like, I have this, like, this little fascination when I walk through people's houses of looking at their books to see what they had read at some point. But how many of you have had those books that like stay around that you read like six years ago, but they're like an important book, you keep them around. And I feel like, yes, the Bible, he read it once like a decade ago. <laughs> um, I feel like that sometimes in our journey of faith, we feel like those who are like books on a shelf. That you were written or read once and like Right now, it's not that you're dead. It's not that life has gone on. But you're just, you're just on a shelf. And at some point, that book will be pulled off the shelf. It's like we believe that we are those stories waiting to be read. We become fine on the shelf. Collecting dust. Holding our post. Our lives and the titles on our spine. Our messages we bring someone can merely look flip through the pages and we can see all the wisdom of our lives that has been resolved and can be imparted the tales within us and the have little left to be told and what we might be able to do is contribute our learnings to a weary traveler who might stop by to open us up and to find helpful encouraging read how many of you feel like sometimes like a book on a shelf there's something there that's been resolved in your life and you could give it to somebody but you're not active i i want to encourage you this was my one encouragement i wanted to make this morning that you are not a book on the shelf in the office you're a book on the table you're not a finished book the life of your faith is being written. And like. We we believe that like our lives have resolved to come to this place where we have something to contribute. But in reality, our life is an unfolding story that God is writing. And Genesis 12, it says, I want to we're going to start with Abraham, because if you're going to read about if we're going to talk about faith, you have to start with. Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse you and curses you who I, I will curse. Wait a minute. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to the land of Canaan, where they had lived there. And they lived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah to Shechem. At that time there were Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared there to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on to the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Um, number of points I want to make about this and I'll be brief with them so that we can, we can be a little more brief this morning. There are a number of, uh, so first of all, Abraham is seventy-five and that's just like something that like i think i've overlooked many times when i read this story when he goes on his great journey he's 75 years old and he goes to a new place i i'm remembering recently john wallace who has spoke with us so many times i think i can't john's about 75 and they just now recently sold their home in garland and have left to go south to be with their grandkids. And one of the things I've admired greatly about John and Suzanne is four or five times they have left incomes, houses, security to keep going on the path that God has for them. And I think God admires that greatly. Um, the, the other thing is, he, he leaves the place that he is without knowing the place he's going. Um, but, but let me skip all that. I want to mention one detail that I want to focus on and then we'll take communion. Is that the scripture says when he came to the land of promise, he lived in a tent. Abraham lived in a tent. He pitched a tent. And a number, I don't know, it's been a number of years ago, Jeremy, where are you at? There you are. Jeremy, Justin, and I went. We decided to go backpacking in Big Ben. And if you've ever driven to Big Ben... It's forever away like whatever it is like I, I tell people I used to go to uh, Chicago to train salespeople from a partner of the business my dad used to work for and if you go to uh, if you go to about Sulphur Springs it's as close to Chicago as it is to El Paso I believe and so when you're driving to Big Ben it feels as though you drive forever. And you drive past Midland and Odessa. And how many of you have watched the old Friday Night Lights movie? Not the show, but the original movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great like sort of depiction of West Texas. I remember we walked and we were coming back, we walked into a gas station and this guy looked at me and he goes, You know, boy, you need to be hitting the weights. You can be in the league. You know, he's like, you must be a tight end or something, you know. I was like Whoa, like football really is a big deal here. So it's like one stop in the gas station. He's like, what are you not? You need me hitting the weights. And okay. Um, so we're driving through. And when you, when you turn to go south, I can't think of the name of the, the exit. You just, you just go forever. And I have seen when I drove when I was in high school, I saw a tumbleweed when I went when I was high school this tall. It's just like Looney Tunes out there. And so we get there. We go on the walk. I'm not going to tell this story, but I almost got bit by a rattlesnake And while we're back. And that's, that's another story. But the, we did not know is that we went during the lightning storm season. And so we set up our tent on the first night that's up on this high ridge that's like at a really high point. And as the night rolls in, the lightning starts coming. Now, when you think about lightning, you think about strikes hitting the ground. But I'm not exaggerating to you. What we saw, there was no thunder. We laid there. The clouds are not far from us. It's a low cloud. And there's just lightning strikes, like dozens of them at a time. Like not hitting the ground, but just, just flashing. Like it's just like... Uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I'm sitting there, I'm looking back in my chair. I'm like, well, I mean, I hope I don't die. <laughs> There's just lightning, just, to sh just for, for like, an hour. I mean, I don't know. As long as we stayed up, it's just, just, just light shining. And, when, but when you, when you're up there in the tent, like you know, we were like, well, we could sit out here, go in the tent. I mean, you don't really feel that much more protected by the lightning <laughs> in the tent. So we just sat there and watched it. And I've used that same tent to take my kids camping. Um, and we went to this new school to where they do, all the kids do two campouts a year, and which makes me basically a part-time professional camper. And so when I roll up with my backpacking tent that sat on the side of a big bend hill, the rest of these dads, it's like their goal to see who can have the largest tent like possible and who can have the tent that's least like a tent of anything you've ever seen. Like I went inside a tent and there's like a wall and four rooms and like a like a recliner in one of the rooms. I'm like, and I have my little backpacking tent and my my oldest daughter has finally made me give in to getting a bigger tent because she's she's embarrassed by the fact that we're the only person with this tiny tent. I'm like, you don't understand, like they don't have tents. I have a tent. <laughs> and so that was uh but anyways, now I put up this ridiculously large seven person tent that we had for Grace and I to sleep in. And I'm like, but Um, in the old world, when you, would, when you lived in a tent, like pitching a tent is, is something difficult. When you lived in a tent, it was more important for your livelihood and your security to have mobility than to have protection from walls. And a tent is something you have to carry. It's something that a hole can get ripped in. It's something that your daughter can get annoyed by. Um, the key is that a tent provides mobility more than security. Like, I'm not going to, you know. And tents are not secure, but they give you the chance to see parts of the country that you would never see if you didn't have a tent. Like, you don't sit on top of a mountain and look at lightning and feel secure. But you do feel in awe. When Psalm 84 says, blessed are those whose strength is you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Like, you can have strength in your stability, in your security, in your self-determination, in your independence. You can have... You can view maturity as removing all of the tensions of life that we live with. You can have all the anxiety gone. You can have the the debts all retired, which would be, you know, pay off my mortgage. Amen. Like you could have all of the things. And yet real maturity is not an increasing security, but an increasing dependence on God. Dependence to me, it's like those whose heart those whose strength is in God, it's like synonymous with your heart being set on pilgrimage. My willingness to put myself in vulnerability to depend on Him. Like I, and I think that dependence is sort of like the baseline of where faith starts. Like when we're kids, we come out of the womb, and what are we? Dependent more than anything else. And that's, that's where the journey of faith starts. We don't, we don't set out on this journey of faith and get a promise Of security. And so the the faith, the journey of faith starts for Abraham by living in a tent. That's that's the one thing you you could take away today with is that this journey that there's times we live in tents. And 2 Corinthians 5, 4 through 5 says, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Like, there is something in us that has a deep sense of longing for permanence. Like, we want it. How many of you have ever found the home you thought was like, this is the dream home, this is the perfect place. Or you found, like, The school or the job or the church or whatever it is to give you this sense of permanence. But permanence is not something we arrive to. Permanence permanence and dwelling is something God clothes us with. We we don't merely arrive at dwelling. We're clothed in it in glory. And, And we await an even greater clothing. There's another part of the story I want to mention, and then we'll, I'll, I'll move towards the end of this, is that as, as soon as Abraham got to the place that God was leading him to, the very, like in the scripture, I don't know if it's a hundred years or a hundred seconds, but in scripture, the very next verses, as soon as he gets to the place that he goes to, they have to leave and go to Egypt because of a famine. How do we, how would we respond? Like, if we were 75, like, how do we respond in modern times? We're like, we show up to something and then all of a sudden there's a famine. Like, our mindset is like, well, maybe God didn't tell me to do that. You know, maybe I missed it. Maybe He just wants me to suffer. You know, like we, we, we dwell on these thoughts And yet, it's exactly what God had for Abraham. Like, he brought him to the place, and he knew he was going to have to leave and go to Egypt. And guess what? He was able to do it, because he never set up that house. He still got his tent ready to roll, and packs up the tent, goes on. And I just think that we equate too many of the negative or positive outcomes in our life to something that that is directly attributable to our behavior. Let me read to you from Job. We've been reading a lot of Job. I'm going to read to you just one little verse of Job. And to give you context, Job has lost everything. He lost his wife. Or not at this point, I guess. He's lost his kids. He's lost his uh, inheritance, his livelihood. Everything he's lost. And his friend is here. And he is speaking to him. All these different friends are telling him why this happened. And Eliphaz has this, this uh, comment. He says, Can a man be of benefit to God? Can even a wise person benefit him? What pleasure would it give Almighty if you were righteous? What would he gain if your ways were blameless? Is, there, is it for piety that he rebukes you and brings charges against you? Is not your wickedness great? Are not your sins endless? You demanded security from your relatives for no reason. You stripped people of their clothing, leaving them naked. You gave no water to the weary, and you withheld food from the hungry. Though you were a powerful man, owning land, an honored man, living on it, you sent away widows empty-handed and broke the strength of the fatherless. That is why snares are all around you, and sudden peril terrifies you. Why it is so dark you cannot see. Why a flood of water covers you. And so, what Eliphaz does in his wisdom is that he connects all of Job's suffering to him being an unrighteous man, which is not what God has, you know, God doesn't even have that to say about Job. That's not the point. The point is, it's not true. The point is that what Job does is it reveals man's desire to be able to explain and attach outcomes to human behavior. Like, we want to look at the situations in our life and be able to correlate them directly to something we've done, some disobedience we've entered into, some obedience we've done, something that somebody else has done. We need an explanation for everything. And the whole book of Job says, Sometimes you don't get an explanation. What, one of the key things that we have to do in our journey of faith is we have to be willing to let go of this desire to explain and measure and have that which is provable or understandable or demonstrable like we have to let go of all of that and be willing to go on this unseen journey with God of which you may not be validated by in front of your peers you you may not like you may not get the kind of justification in life to the suffering that you've been through it may just not happen but we get to go on a journey of faith the story of Abraham and the story of Job and the story of Jesus and the story of all of Scripture is that life is not a game we can control. It is not about your ability to save, preserve, build, and do things so that you can control negative, positive outcomes as you best see fit. That's what we sometimes believe maturity is, is that we can arrive to a place of, of resources both in wisdom or a. Uh, money or whatever like that we can prevent any of the outcomes that are negative in our life that is not maturity a couple years ago i was telling andrea maybe it was last year that one of the most weighing things on my on life for me was this like constant sense of fragility like it's hard to give full context to it, but the easy way to explain it is over the last four or five years, my journey on the entrepreneurial side of what I do and the business side of what I do, God has provided, but I've been, I've been in a pretty constant state of fragility and not knowing what the next step is. And the, this, this church has been the most incredible gift of God to our family and yet, at times, like pasturing in a small environment, you there's this sense of fragility that makes you feel like weak and vulnerable and like something could go wrong and destroy everything. You, you know, I know that, that's, that's not where my head's at most of the time. But I'm just telling you, like, there have been various places in my life where I've just sensed fragility for an extended period of time. And that fragility, like I was just telling Andrew, I was like, ah, it's kind of weighed on me. But what I realized was that I could not manufacture the sense of fragility. Like I grew up and there was food always on the table. Like I grew up and I couldn't manufacture that. God just gave that to me as a gift. Like here, here you go. Fragility. And It's been one of my greatest teachers. And I think that God has not intended for us. Like we look at the journey of the heroes of faith. And we think about their strength. But I don't believe that God has called us to be strong people. I think he's called us to be fragile people who trust in him. Who are willing to be moved by him. Who are willing to live in tents. And... One of the things I've noticed, and I will I just need to skip some things so that, we, so that we land somewhere. One of the things I've noticed is that in my own life, whenever I, the Lord's taking me through a season where I'm depending on Him more, when I'm living in the tent more, so to speak, is that as you depend on God more, you become more dependent on God. And like the days where you don't like put your focus and attention to Him. They're like way worse than a day if you weren't like really depending on Him previously. And I'm, I'm just asking for God to put me in this place where I'm fragile before Him. Like I would rather be willing to sit on the mountainside with the tent that can't protect me and see the incredible wonders of God than... To have all the protection in the world and not see His mighty hand at work. And so my prayer over the next coming weeks is that I believe in rest. I believe in us having peace and having us free from anxiety and having us get free from all the things that, that plague us. But I also want us to be in our maturity, in our maturity to be defined as people of great faith. As simple as that, I want us to be a people who are defined by great faith. And so I just want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray into this for one moment and then go to the table. Thank you for being patient with us in the time today. Um, Let's just pray for one moment. That God is going to make us people of great faith. People who are willing to be moved by God. Willing to live in tents, so to speak. And just willing to trust in Him. And so I just want to ask you to pray with me. Lord, I just pray that you would impart something beautiful into our body. That would be just a nourishing nourishing seed of great faith. That your spirit would, would move our hearts, our minds. And... Just our souls to be willing to follow you wherever you lead, God. That on this journey of faith, we would not seek to be those which are strong and secure, but we would seek to be those that are humble and surrendered, God. That we would not define ourselves by our security, but we would define ourselves by our dependence. That we would not define ourselves by our ability to be perfect emotionally, God but that we would define ourselves by our willingness to follow you everywhere you go and so Lord I just pray that there would be an increasing measure of faith as we dig into fit what faith looks like over the coming months and that we would receive not just the faith in God but the faith of God that can only be imparted by you and so God we take it right now as a gift Um, Maybe just do this, open your hands, and just receive a measure of faith as a gift. God, we receive faith as a gift this morning, God. That you make us be willing to be those dwelling in tents to follow your voice, Lord. Pray that you would do it in Jesus' name.